Shalom, y'all. We're back at Lesson 45 to finish it off. This is Lesson 45, Part 2. Ready? Here we go. So we left off in verse 12. So let's pick it up in verse 13. Now it came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until evening. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that, that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge, and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor, and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Now the key thing here is he makes known there the statutes of God and God's laws, his Torah. And again, when we take a look at Bible verses here in Exodus, we're going to see that God has, says, I have given my instruction, my Torah, and he did it at Mount Sinai. They're not even there yet. So again, this begs the question that more than likely, this chapter, chapter 18, probably happened way after the fact that Moses met God at Sinai for the Ten Commandments. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate, dis those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times. And let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. They judged the peoples at all times. The difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his, his father-in-law farewell, and he went his way into his own land. So we read in verse 16 that indeed... Moses made known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Now again, the Hebrew word there is not laws, but Torah, God's instruction. It's very important to read later on in Exodus 24, in verse 12, starting in verse 12, through the end of the chapter, we read, Now the Lord, now Yahweh, said to Moshe, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets, and I will give you the law, the Torah, the instruction, and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua, his servant. Moses went up to the mountain of God. And later on at the end of the chapter, in verse 18, we read that Moses goes up to the mountain and stays up there for 40 days and 40 nights. This is when he's receiving the instructions 
of God, the Torah, the laws, the ordinance, and the commands. He's already got the Ten Commandments. Now, in chapter 18, they're not there yet. They only get to Mount Sinai in chapter 19. So again, we see that chapter 18 must have happened after the giving of the Ten Commandments and probably after Exodus 24, after those 40 days and 40 nights when Moses was on the mountain with the Lord. Verses 17 through 19, Jethro is talking about the fact of this, what Moses was doing to hear the disputes of the people and was only him. And where Jethro said, this is not a good thing. Now, this is truly amazing. This is looked upon, you guys, in Judaism, in Israel, as the foundation for the future judiciary system of Israel. In other words, the judiciary system of Israel, even today, they're saying this is the foundation, this is where it began. And even in Western society, we talk about the Judeo-Christian system of, judge, of justice and judges. They say it starts here. Now, who gives it? A non-Hebrew. A non-Israeli. A pagan priest. How can this be? It shows the awesome treatment of non-Hebrews in God's Torah in the first five books of the Bible. On top of that, it shows the awesome treatment of Goyim, people of the nations, non-Jews, in God's Hebrew scriptures. Just consider some of the pagans. The pagan Egyptian princess, the daughter of Pharaoh, who saved Moses and became his stepmother. Consider the first person to see the angel of the Lord. The first person to see the angel of the Lord is Hagar, a pagan Egyptian servant girl of Sarah's. And what about Ruth? A Midianite. A pagan girl who becomes an ancestor of the Messiah. And who's the first to hear that Jesus is the Messiah? The Samaritan woman at the well. God is showing that a relationship to him, this is not about Israel. It's not dependent upon blood or race. It's not like the views of Black Lives Matter. I remember one time somebody was in discussions with a person from Black Lives Matter, and they said, but all lives matter. And this person from Black Lives Matter actually attacked the person who had said that and said that is just a way of getting away from the main problem. This is antithetical to critical race theory. We recall in John 3.16, it says that God loved all mankind. We're going to see in chapter 20, when we really deal with the Ten Commandments in detail, we're going to see that the instruction at Sinai, the Torah given at Sinai, was not only given to Israel. The Ten Commandments are given to all mankind, and we're going to show that. Now, a way to delve into this right now 
is to study the podcast related to Shavuot or Pentecost. I'm going to link you to the website for the archaeology of Shavuot, the archaeology of Pentecost. And indeed, when we go into the study of Pentecost, especially in Jesus' day, how indeed God was coming for the whole world. So again, we'll go to the website, www.lightofmenorah.org. You'll find the picture for this podcast. And underneath the session description, there will be that link to the podcast on Shavuot. And again, understanding Shavuot, understanding how God loved the whole world, and he gave his Ten Commandments, he gave his instruction at Sinai to the entire world. Some people say, wait a minute, it it was given to Israel. But Israel has chosen, but what were they chosen for? Time and time again, we come to the fact that here in the Jewish holy book, that they're put down again and again and again. God does not, in his own words, does not lift up Israel as some sort of great nation. He said that they were just prideful, that they were stubborn. But he chose them. Why? You go to Isaiah 42.6. You go to Isaiah 49.6. There to be a light to all the nations. There to be ones who come to all the nations to bring the salvation of Yahweh. Salvation in Hebrew is Yeshua. To bring the Jesus of the Lord God to the ends of the earth. This is not about race. It's not about a specific country. It's not about color. You know what is very interesting? Anyone can become a Jew. This is this 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 is real. I'm not Chinese. I can't become Chinese. I'm not French. I'm Polish. I can't become French. But a Jew? Yeah. In Jesus' day? In Jesus' day, we, we find that there are three things, three things that a, unser- that a Gentile can do to actually become a Jew. A Jew. This is in Yevmot 48b in the Babylonian Talmud. If that Gentile Studying under studying for a year goes through circumcision, goes through ritual immersion, tevila, we call it baptism, and does a sacrifice. Now the immersion is in a bath, in a mikvah, and the rabbis would say the the Gentile goes down into the water as a goy, as a non-Jew, as a pagan Gentile. But they come out as a new creature. They come out born again as a Jew. These are the very words in the Talmud. They come out born again as a Jew. This is explosive. This is not about race. It's not about gender. All lives matter.
God's love for all mankind. This is also true when we consider the pagan priest Jethro. And he teaches the principles of the judiciary system. <laughs> He's doing it. It's not some Hebrew priest. It wasn't Aaron. It wasn't Moses. Jethro goes on and he suggests the qualifications for judges. This is in verse 21 through 22. The Hebrew is Anshi Chayil Yirei Elohim Anshi Emet Sonenei Vatsah When we take a look at that Hebrew, we talk about able men. <laughs> that English word is just like so lame, you guys. It's it's like wet noodles. It's it's lame. The Hebrew word that's used there is kail. Strong's numbers H2428. And when you go into the Gesenius Hebrew lexicon, you'll see that it means excellent valiant, courageous, virtuous. However, we need to understand where this is coming from. We need to take the look at the root of this Hebrew word. The Hebrew root for kail is cool. <laughs> and the Strong's number is H2342. And it's interesting because this Hebrew word gives us a picture of the idea of excellence and courageous and virtuous. The, the, the Hebrew picture is to twist, to, to bind together, to dance. Huh? You go to Proverbs 31, verse 10. There's the question that's posed in that verse. An excellent wife, who can find? Notice the word excellent. The Hebrew there is kail. A virtuous wife, a courageous wife. How does she become courageous? How does she become valiant? Where does this come from? What's behind it? What's the picture? A twisting and a dancing. It seems as if an excellent wife is a woman who is with the Lord, who has integrated her life in following the Lord. She's living a life where she has interwoven herself into God's Torah. It's like in Jesus' words in John 8, 31 through 32, abide in my word, stay in my word, continue in my word. Twist yourself into my word. Wrap myself into your wrap yourself into my word and let myself wrap myself into you. And this is how we become courageous and valiant. So it's a judge is to be a person who seems to be totally wrapped up and twisted into God's word and having God twisting himself into them so that he becomes courageous and virtuous and valiant, standing up for the Lord God and standing up for the things that are right and just and true and fair. Not able. That is such a lame word. But Kail, one who twists himself into the Lord and allows the Lord to twist himself into you. These are men who fear God. Fear? 
The Hebrew word there is Yireh, and the Strong's number is H3373. And it can mean fear, like, I'm afraid of the dark, or I'm afraid going out of the garden because of bumblebees. But it also means in awe. These are men who might fear God, fear God's anger, fear fearing to doing things in such a way that they go against God's way. And they would have to face God's anger. But they're probably also in awe of the Lord, in awe of what he's done, in awe of the love that he has for all mankind, for the poor, for the rich, for the educated, for the uneducated, for the Israeli, for the Arab, for the Russian, for the Chinese, for all. Also, he has to be a man who hates betza, or dishonest gain. Strong's numbers H1215. Dishonest gain. This probably implies bribery or influence, obviously, of a decision by money. Dennis Prager expands upon this in his Torah commentary called Exodus, the Rational Bible. And he talks about the fact that here are these qualifications for a judge. But something is missing. Prager goes on to say, It is worth noting that a characteristic valued perhaps more than any other in our time is absent in these qualifications for judges that Jethro brings up. What's missing? Compassion. It is not mentioned for good reason. Although compassion is a beautiful human trait, and we need to be most compassionate in our personal lives, judges and other leaders cannot be guided solely by compassion, because compassion can often subvert justice. You might think of the idea when there are racial quotas at colleges or universities, or even in jobs. I, I suffered this. I suffered this when I was not my application for grad school to get my PhD in mathematics at MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Boston. It was refused. Why? Because they did not meet their quota of Chinese students. So I, who had high grades and had all the qualifications to enter MIT for my PhD in mathematics, I was not allowed because they did not have their quota of Chinese. And so if a poor man and a rich man wind up in a dispute, the judge who acts compassionately by ruling in the poor man's favor, despite evidence showing the rich man, the, uh, rich man is right, has subverted justice. That is why the Torah expressly prohibits judges from favoring the poor in judgment, and of course the rich as well. It's like in our society today, the misguided and crazy district attorneys, like in California, 
They're treating those who are looting, who are involved in drug use and, and selling drugs, and they treat it as a minor offense. Certain ones who have done violent crime, child abusers, are let out. We've got the, and, and they do it again. All because some sort of a ridiculous notion of compassion to these who are downtrodden and they've got a proven criminal record? Compassion? Yes, we have to have compassion, but we have to be very, very careful. God is compassionate. We're to be compassionate. But compassion if not properly handled, can actually subvert justice. Another example of this, when we think about the terrible shooting on July 4th, where seven people were shot down by a crazed young man who nearly did it also in Madison, Wisconsin as well. However, a pastor on the south side of Chicago wrote an article. And he was talking about the fact that why is it that there's so much support for politicians in the rich suburb on the north side of Chicago on the July 4th mass shooting and no one pays attention to the murders and shootings weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend in my hometown of Chicago. The pastor said this area and this community is definitely not a stranger to violence at all. He said right here, this 4th of July weekend, there was a mass shooting right here behind me. Five victims were shot. Literally right behind me. That July 4th shooting on the south side was all too common. 800 murders on the south side of Chicago. 800 in 2021. And nobody says a thing. The mayor of Chicago doesn't say a thing. The governor of the state of Illinois doesn't say a thing. The president doesn't say a thing. The vice president doesn't say anything. The speaker of the house doesn't say a thing. They completely ignore it. But... This white, rich suburb on July 4th, all of a sudden, the whole world pays attention. Now, we understand why. One of the things is, quite definitely, many politicians use it for unjust gain. Not money, but to score political points. So here on the south side of Chicago, they don't get the same level of attention or the same level of concern. When we talk about the fact of compassion, this is compassion. Compassion for Highland Park and the terrible tragedy on July 4th of the people that were killed in that mass shooting. But compassion also for the black people young and old, especially the little kids 
who are being murdered weekend after weekend. There should be the same level of compassion. And now bring the same level of justice to bring these killers to justice. This is what Jethro is talking about. This is what this whole system that he advised Moses is all about. And I will link you to that article from that Christian pastor on the south side of Chicago. A glaring example of how in our day, in our society, the Torah-based judiciary system of fairness, of truth, obviously is not being handled correctly even in our day. So go to the website and you'll find the link to that article there underneath the picture in the session description. Now Jethro's advice agrees with God's commands to Moses. Jethro advised Moses to be a teacher. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and someday we'll get there. But definitely Moses is teaching us in Deuteronomy chapter 4 that God told him to teach. Moses was picked by Yahweh to teach. That's interesting because Yahweh, the Lord, picked Abraham to teach. Why Abraham? Go to Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. He commanded to teach his family. So to Moses, a shepherd leader who teaches God's instruction. And then we think about why Jesus. He's a good shepherd. And he's commanded to teach. John is in, in the book of John, verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 8, Jesus is talking to his father and he said, Father, I've gave them your word that you gave them to me. In other words, I've taught them. The classic verse is right there at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. He sees the crowd. He goes up on the mountain. He sits down. And his disciples come to him. They gather around them because he opens his mouth to teach and us, we're to be disciples. Disciples means we want to be like our rabbi. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, be like me, for I'm like him. In other words, I'm a disciple. I want to be like him. What Jesus taught, I want to teach. How Jesus acted, I want to act. The way he did God's laws, the way he did God's feasts, I want to do it that way. And so for us... As Jesus was sent, we want we are to be sent. As he is a teacher, same thing for us. We come finally to verses 24 through 27. So Moses listened to his father-in-law, did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, and fifties, and tens. They judged the people at all times. The difficult dispute they would bring to Moses but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade farewell to his father-in-law, and he went his way into his own land. So Moses heeds Jethro's instruction. This pagan priest, 
which has established the foundations of the judicial system of Western society. He bids farewell to Jethro. And we will as well. In the next lesson, we come to Exodus chapter 19 and we finally arrive at the mountain of God. So until then, I wish you Lech La Shalom, Beshem Yeshua Adonenu Meshienu. Go in Shalom in the name of Jesus our Lord, our Savior. Thank you.